0: wickedness uh, you know i like guess um, so it it doesn't diminish his pleasure with himself or who he is or anything like that but it's just you know he's always appealing to us in mercy he's um that trumps every you know
1: his grace his mercy is always there yeah. so it's very complex when when you look at a, a god uh with all these attributes that seem to uh, that would seem to contradict, but they don't. The Hebrews thirteen twenty one is a good one that would equal our Philippians two twelve and thirteen as he's talking about um, Christ that He'd make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. Have you noticed how often that happens? Anytime we are called to do any work, it's always through the person of Christ. Anytime that we see ourselves saved, it's always in Christ. Elected, in Christ. Predestined, in Christ. Adopted, in Christ. In Christ. That sounds like a Big Daddy Weave song. Okay. What is well pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, and Amen. So the the glory of God is connected with the well pleasing that God sees here and does. So anyway, God's pleased in all He does. We looked at the uh, the Psalm 135, the Psalm 115, Isaiah 46. Go back to Psalm again, since we uh, we like the language of the Psalms, right? Go to Psalm 147. And we started to get into that because it seems like um, there could be some um, contradiction here with God at one time being pleased in everything, but yet having to bring his judgment on, and it's bringing in his wrath. In Psalm 147, right, Um, verse 18... He sends out His Word and melts them. He causes His wind to blow and the waters flow. He causes His wind to blow and the waters flow. Um, if God controls the wind, and He does, right? And He makes it blow whenever and wherever He pleases. He does do that. He controls, Right? That's true, according to that psalm there. Then somehow, God is responsible for the destruction of a lot of material goods and even lives, human lives. Thousands of lives can drown whenever He brings on a great wind, a a tsunami, the storms, the, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the typhoons. Somehow, God is... He had control of it. He could have stopped it. Or he, according to this, he, he can bring those on. God brings them forth. Do we charge God with wrong when we would say something like this? Well, we can't because he does everything good. It's very complex. We know when we look at the book of Job, God permitted Satan to do what Satan was wanting to do with Job. Although God was working this out for that God would get the glory and the end result. And, of course, even Job and uh, his whole well that family that he had there that he inherited again plus you find uh, got more blessed.
2: Friend, plus you find out who your friends are.
1: <laughs> yeah, he certainly did. Learned that lesson, didn't he? Uh, can Satan cause sickness? Uh, can Satan be in on murder? Well, he's the father of what? father of lies he's a father of, of murder uh, from the very beginning yeah I wanted to throw
2: out, um, in the New Testament I don't know where the reference is it's not necessarily my strong suit um, Jesus told Peter that Satan has asked to sift you like, like wheat, wheat. Mm-hmm. and when he's done you're going to be even stronger and
1: when he's done
2: you, know, you think
1: well Jesus well, why don't I'm you not stop I'm
2: paraphrasing him? that part I'm just saying no, that's I true. know the part that he says he's asked to sift you like wheat so there was permission asked mm-hmm. to mess with Peter um, th- you know. That's a good one. Certainly, but you know, but then he turned
1: it around. So, it, but it made him stronger. Yeah. Or you think of Joseph. What happened to him? You know, this is all getting into the uh, providence of God. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds so uh, sounds so bizarre. We know that Satan is never stronger than God. One of the first books that really turned me around on that was a book written by uh, Erwin Lutzer way back when in the '80s, and it was dealing with. Uh, the power that Satan. I, I thought Satan had a little more power. I, I didn't put him on the level of God, but he's just a little bit underneath there. That's kind of the theology that I guess I grabbed a little bit. And uh, yeah, he does have a lot of power. And, and uh, uh, ultimately, though, we know that God uses him, and he's really no bigger than a pawn. But he's much bigger than human beings, for he's an angelic being, uh, uh, being a, from the other side there anymore. But the hands of God are never tied. And I think a lot of people sometimes have a tendency to think that God can't do certain things because people don't have faith enough. so therefore Satan is controlling this. And uh, that's not uh, the situation. Oh, matter of fact, when you see how powerful God is, and you see that Satan is a created being, you see that, oh, this is comforting. I'm glad that God has this in total control. That's what's so great about the doctrine of sovereignty of God and his pleasure. God is one who makes comfort and creates calamity. You remember that in Isaiah 45 and 7? Matter of fact, let's turn there. Isaiah 45 and, and verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Incredible statement just as showing that he is control of all things. Whatever comes about is something that he is uh, he, hes a part of. And it's all for good. Lamentations. That's after Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah lamenting. And in chapter 3, verse 38, something of this sort. It's... Uh, is it not from the mouth of the Most High, El-Elyon, that woe and well-being proceed? Coming from God is things that are woe and then from the positive side, well-being. They come from Him. Incredible thought, this powerful God. How about the book of Amos? Go ahead.
2: Just So it's very difficult for us in our finite mind to completely understand what is God's wrath and what is God's allowance.
3: (laughs) That's a tough one. Okay, because,
2: I mean, mean, people (laughs) just jumped all over Pat Robertson when he basically said that the earthquake in Haiti was God's wrath because they'd made this deal with the devil or whatever to get rid of the French hundreds hundred and some odd years ago. You know, I mean, so we have to be careful about calling it wrath when... You know, when at the same time, you know, a tornado rips through a church on a Sunday morning.
1: Yeah, Yeah, did that that church sin? Who knows? Yeah. That's not for us to know. The towers that Jesus talked about when they asked Mm -hmm. him, same kind of thing.
4: You would need new revelation to make a statement like that, yeah. So if, if nothing else, I would play that card. Yeah. I didn't hear what he said. Uh, to make a statement like that, you would need some sort of new revelation. And I would right? probably yeah, and I would probably play that card and say that maybe a little too bold. Mm-hmm.
1: He gets in trouble. I know a lot of the um a lot of the guys like um some of our reform friends have to defend Sometime, what um, and not defending Pat Robertson, but defending the sense of what uh, the biblical answer to this all. And it's a little more complex than just saying, "Well, uh, yeah, God did that because of their sin or whatever." Yeah. Uh, it's much more complex. That might be part of it, and, and I'm sure it probably is. But look at the wrath that we all deserve. Why, why does anybody yeah. live first well, of all? And-
2: but also when he talks about even the the tower of, of Siloam and, and and everything else that that everything that happens is is will eventually be for his glory. Mm-hmm. So if we are if we repent because the tower of Siloam fell, or if we repent because the earthquake you know happened, then that is for his glory. Yeah. You know. But people who aren't believers. And people who don't know their Bible have a lot of trouble with sovereignty. I mean... Absolutely. And I, I still do to this day. So, I mean, so I, I can just imagine it must be hard for, for someone, harder for someone to have to deal with some of these things. Well, to start happening.
1: off with the sovereignty of God with, with an unbeliever, um, that they would think you were nuts. If yeah. you took... The study that you guys did—if you had had a non-believer in there—that uh, it would probably have been just too overwhelming. Uh, you usually don't start with. It. You have to start with something basic and simple, like you know, I mean, we are we are sinners. I mean, it's great to see us. I mean, we, yeah, you're bringing the sovereign God in there, but if we started with some of these verses, uh, they're going to think we're nuts. That we're crazy. Well, that's it? why
0: Oprah walked out of. The Baptist Church that she was a member of, because the pastor was talking about attributes of God and said he was a jealous God, and she huh. you know, hmm.
1: There's and another. And she yeah. didn't
0: apparently pursue. What does that mean? What, what really is it? a yeah. jealous God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To really. you know that she didn't. it Correctly. Anybody can do that in you know in their frame of mind, trying to hear God.
1: Right. But it's this is all under the the very and it's the very pleasure of God when He's a jealous God, for instance.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, or look at this Amos three six. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there's a calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. I think
5: the bottom line in all of this, in all these tragedies and instances that happen, with everything and everybody has mentioned and read in the Bible. There's an underlying purpose in all of it, is to bring people to repentance mm-hmm. and bring glory to God. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to look at it and say, well, you know, killed all these people by a tornado hitting the church. Uh, there's. I told Dennis I was going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> is this, did you get to use
1: some of these in the sovereignty class, right? <laughs> this is what we
5: talked about last Monday. Uh, why do all these things happen? And I understood four reasons. There well, scriptural evidence for all of them. Uh, the people had sinned, number one. In Ezekiel, when the ground opened up and swallowed 40,000 people, it was because of their sin. Another reason is it is for the glory of God. Uh, the man who had uh, been blind all these years and Jesus healed him said he didn't commit any sin, but he was for the glory of God. Uh, another reason that things bad things happen to people is uh, you eat. The wrong food, drink and smoke all your life and have a heart attack. That's your own cause.
1: Natural consequence.
5: Natural cause. You violated uh, some standards. Uh, The fourth thing. What was
1: the fourth thing? Where's the note takers at here? (laughs) Barb, get your Bible out. Where's Where's the note? on (laughs) that? Those three. There was only three.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I had a fourth. Yeah, and I remember.
6: Yeah. How about
1: to the pleasure of His goodwill? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's about His glory. <laughs>
5: yeah.
0: Well, uh, the crucifixion of Christ to bring glory to God. Oh, I know what it was. Yeah. Just
5: because sin entered into the world at the at the fall, uh, sin is in the world, and things like this happen. That uh, just because of the sin in the world. Not, Not a particular a sin, sin
1: of a person. Yeah. Yeah.
5: the, yeah.
4: the, the fallen world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good place to start right there. And, yeah, That's,
4: that's a lot of reasons. That question was asked in my Sunday school class with two minutes left of class. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes and that question was asked. And it threw me off because they actually asked it rather than waiting until next Sunday. You can't make this up, but somebody chimed in and said, because Satan has free will too. And then class was over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't make
4: it up. Which, that is an interesting outlook on life. I mean, honestly, I mean, you're claiming that Satan has free go at anybody at any given time to do whatever he wishes. Is this
6: an
5: adult? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's no, that's kind of scary. Too many
5: people's idea is that God and Satan are almost on an equal basis. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, apparently, maybe awesome. God's a little ahead of him, but not much. Not much. And yeah. there is a battle going on between the two for us and what's happening in this world. You know,
1: I, I kind of cringe, but I think that's probably more common than it's not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's
1: yeah. funny. I, no. I kind of came from that <clears> thinking.
2: <throat> yeah, because, I mean, even some of these preachers that are on, I mean, they're just always like... You know, you gotta fight that devil back. Bam, bam, bam. You gotta just hit it. You know, like he's always. The best. That's <laughs> pretty Thank you very much. I will not use his name. But uh, you gotta just hit uh, it. But, you know, but you know, I mean, every other word is, you know, if the devil is messing with you, and if we resist, he will flee, and he can't be everywhere at once.
1: Well, that's true. You know, that sounds crucial um, to me. Did, did you ever this?
2: hear much talk
0: about Satan or? Power of Satan or anything in the Catholic
2: Church? No, anybody. No, up no, no, it was God's so, going to get you for it, not Satan. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, see, they did. They, drew,
0: right. they oh, went the will. other yeah. way <laughs> and, you know, they yeah. play they don't downplay yeah. evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they have that whole thing. order they go, of yeah, yeah,
4: I don't yeah. know. That's the black the sheep of the family, right
2: there. <laughs> we have really derailed you, haven't we? No, huh? Okay. We're right on. All We're right.
1: right on target. It's open, so
2: no, I started it. Well,
1: I got on his area, and there was a reason why, because I thought maybe we'd get it. No, this ties right in with the, this is sovereignty. His pleasure is sovereignty. They they chime together, but yeah, thanks for the free free lessons. At least we get some some in there too. so we all miss that. Did you tape any of that? Did you tape? Need to tape. Well, the Lord gives the Lord takes away. I don't think anybody would argue that. Is he the source of life? Yes. And he appoints the time whenever the life is to go out. What happens if you have a whole bunch of them go out at the same time? It's almost like, well, God can't do that. But he can take one or two at the same time and it's like, okay, we we don't like that, but uh, God can do that because he's got their appointed time. But when thousands go at the same time, it's like, uh, no, God can't do that. But, uh, I, I think he can, but there's a tension here. Our, our, we don't feel comfortable with that kind of thing. When if God takes multiples out at, at one time, we have a finite mind. We wrestle with these kind of things. God can grieve over sin in, in at one time, and at the very same time, and He's not bound by time. But He can grieve over sin and at the same time and be angry with the wicked every day, and at the very same time. Be happy, and and he is happy, but rejoicing over a sinner, repenting, like you guys were saying, and, and being brought to into the family of God. Yeah, Bark.
6: A gal I work with um, was talking about something like that, and she, I'm, I'm not trying to diss the Catholic story, but she is Catholic, and she said it just reminds her of God as a big old cat, and us as little mice, and toying with us, oh and my gosh. doing whatever he wants to do with us, and huh. I just thought, I didn't quite know what to think, I mean, if he wants to do that, that's, he can do that, because he's God, and we are his, but just that imagery kind of disturbed me, that
3: the and father you. that's trying to help uh, God yeah you yeah know. yeah in yeah. the Yeah. It. <laughs> it's like the whole world
6: is the same thing yeah. it's what you kind of know the dad that's trying to help
2: yeah. you go yeah. through things I let me kind of yeah you
6: know and you think okay. is that, that we as believers we need a lot of wisdom in what we speak to unbelievers about
1: mm-hmm there were things that Jesus, that you're right, Jesus held things back. He didn't reveal things to certain people, Not did he? I mean,
3: you yeah. know, much of this is These are deep things. These
6: are deep things. Mm. And that's hard because people will jump you with questions and mm. stuff
1: like this. Trying to trap you there, right? Yeah,
6: what about this? And yeah. you find yourself arguing about the sovereignty of God with somebody
3: that doesn't even know Jesus. Is.
1: How about uh, Larry, uh, Larry King? Doesn't he do that kind of thing whenever you invite a Christian on there? Like, he's had John MacArthur on there several times. Yeah. and uh, But I think John handled it very well. Yeah.
2: You know, and I heard Francis Chan talk about this last week, and he goes, he, goes, he goes, we act in our natural state, even as believers, like when it's all over, that God is going to be on trial and answer our questions. When in reality, oh, it's us we're going to be the ones
1: that are going to be on trial. We're going to have right. to
2: answer to everything. God's not going to have to answer for anything.
1: Who's trying who? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know?
2: Move him out of the throne and yeah. get up on him. I hear Vern McGee talk about But, that. you know, Jesus is right.
5: When he comes to the end and God actually spoke to him, he said that he had spoken about a lot of things that he had no understanding about yeah. and that he now repents yeah. and Shut and gives, shuts his mouth and gives glory to God.
1: And God took pleasure when in
5: that. When we're here, we can make all these pronouncements. I've heard many times, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> That's <laughs> to get to heaven and answer for this. <laughs> when I get to heaven, you're going to be so flat on your face. That's <now>. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, was,
6: there was a guy on TV the other night who was making some comment about God has to ask us permission
1: Whoa. So,
3: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to do certain
6: things in his life.
1: Okay. <laughs> that's the idea of where free will takes it. We have the free will; God doesn't. You know that's really what it is. That's what it comes down to. So death, misery, and, and as Bob was talking about, you know, like in that scripture in Ezekiel, it's where he he has no delight in the sense that he he kills somebody in the in the delight that we can think of. He's not a sadist in that in that sense. Um. But he does exalt in truth and righteousness. So he is pleased when his truth and righteousness, his holiness, because his glory shines when his attributes... And his attributes are always shining. However people want to see it or not, the honor is always always his. When one is judged by God, God is demonstrating his justice. And that's one of those great attributes of him. The infinite worth of his glory is then just turned on. And unfortunately most Christians miss that. They see something evil that has happened, but but God takes something so bad and it's going to work out for good, you know. And turn to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18 uh, 32. It's quite a topic, isn't it? A deep deep stuff. This has to create a lot of uh, tension. For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies. This is just what you had said earlier, right, Bob? Yeah. Says the Lord God. Yeah, I
0: was on verse 23, but yeah.
1: Okay, and then he comes back and again he says this, Yeah, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn away from his ways and live? Uh, Therefore, turn and live. He's still offering himself. Yeah. You know, even with judgment, I mean, you can look in the book of Revelation, you see judgment, but you know, I see grace. Because he's still, he's all all through time, through history. God has always, still yet offered Himself. You know, there's, but there's, there is to be repentance, and and then there's forgiveness.
2: Is the, is there is the tension that, that that I'm going to throw out now? Okay, because because part of where I am in Old Testament theology versus New Testament theology is that Old Testament theology is, you know, when, when God spoke to the Israelites and said, if you do this, then I will do this, okay? And New Testament theology, you know, I mean, in other words, God was saying, if you live this way, then I will make sure that you're blessed, okay? But New Testament theology is, if you, come, if you become a believer, you're going to probably be persecuted, be martyred, and die. Okay, so, so in Old Testament theology... We're we're given, we're given. If you do this, then then this is what's going to happen. And in New Testament theology, people think if you do this, this good is going to happen. When in reality, Jesus told us throughout the Gospels that it doesn't matter how good you are, you're still going to get thrown in prison. You're going to be martyred. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to. If you follow him, if you follow him, you are just going to have the crap knocked
1: out of you. Oh, well, we know the Old Testament is fulfilled in what? Christ. The person of Christ. Of course, they were going to. They could live uh, a, a good, uh, a good, uh, blessed life and prosper if they were to follow God's ways. Um, and and I think that was a, a straight promise to them. We, uh, I mean, there are some things you know today. You know, we we don't have any guarantees. We don't have a guarantee of that kind of prosperity. But the prosperity. In Christ Himself is is where it's at. So all of those things, and, and if they as a nation would have done that, the only thing is, mankind really can't do those things. And it always the law always is fulfilled in Christ as a whole. If they would stay away from um, the uh, the idolatry. Look what kind of life... To them. If they stay away from certain foods, if you eat the right kind of foods, then you're going to, you know... Yes. So they stayed away. They were separated in a sense. And in a lot of senses, they were blessed. Even even when they turned into idolatry, God was still... What was He doing? Offering Himself. He would He would say... He'd give them prophecies. They still wouldn't turn away from their evil ways. And then finally, He'd bring the judgment. If, even
3: the Old
6: Testament thinks so, by righteousness. It wasn't by... You did
1: this, so you're in. Yep, same same way as as here, isn't it? It's like that Catholic thing, Mark. That's why I'm still... With it. <laughs> even after the big list of you're being in you know, physics, et, et cetera, you
4: have to pop it up. And your joy will be full. In spite of all of this, mm-hmm. you're still going
1: to have joy. Different kind of yeah. thinking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right.
4: Okay, question about Old Testament prophets. Weren't... Wasn't every Old Testament prophet ridiculed, beaten, and/or killed? Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, weren't yeah, yeah. weren't yeah. they? Yeah. You weren't really too well, I, too
1: popular. Yeah.
4: Well, I'm still trying to find it odd As if saying that, if I mean, if I was going to put anybody in the Old Testament on a pedestal, I would probably pick the prophets. Just giving them the benefit of the doubt, and I would assume that if anybody was going to follow the rules and regulations, I would I would put a prophet pretty high on that list, and that's not a terribly great blessing to be beaten, ridiculed, and or killed. Man. And
1: why was it? Because they spoke the word of God. You
4: know, it's just I find it yeah. odd that God's promising these blessings. Like you were saying, Old Testament, New Testament, and there's not a whole lot of difference between the Old Testament prophets
2: and then the New Testament. Anyway, I just found it odd. I, so
3: like
2: the, first, even at the first end, Jesus Moses it, was yeah. like, you know, and everything that Moses did, it was like, all right, you're not going across the river. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going.
1: It wasn't going to happen. It was not in the plan. You know? <laughs> it was not in God's plan. Look. Well, speaking of Moses, let's go to one of his books, Deuteronomy, in the law. He did, he
3: did
0: go across the,
1: of the <laughs> Got a, got a peek there, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> Deuteronomy 28, 63. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked off from the land which you go to possess. This was one of those promises here. What do you think of that? Just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good multiply you, the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you. He'll still rejoice in dis- destroying them. This is that, uh, I guess you can say, the, the tension, the complexity that's involved in God being pleased in all that He does. He's He's pleased in His name, though. He's going to bring about... He's going to bring his people to the conclusion, even despite uh, our lives that may not always shine for God's glory, his namesake is there. And he's going to do things for his namesake. Uh, Election, for instance, is a means to the goal of his name being honored. Uh, That's kind of what we're dealing with in in our Ephesians text. uh, His fame being spread. Go back to the Psalms for a moment. It's one of the Old Testament a lot tonight, huh? Psalms 106,
6: 7
1: and 8. Okay, now give us a second to get there. A good preacher always waits Uh, until he hears the pages (laughs) stop. Silence, i got a problem with that. Okay. 106 what? 106, 7 and 8. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for His name's sake, for His sake, that He might make known His mighty power. <coughs> the reason He does everything, ultimately, and I think we've already said this, ultimately the biggest reason is that his, his name would be known, or that He would be glorified, that He would be famous. Uh, he is famous. But election is one of those things that he does. God delights in having his name known. God delights in that. Fame means a well-known name. Now, people have their own ideas of, I want to be famous, just to be famous. You know, There's pride involved there. But he has a perfect sense of having this this famous. There there is a song called Famous One. Chris Tomlin wrote that. That's what that was about. He, He delights. God delights in being known for who he really is for what he does. When he does something in his creation, grand and glorious, or when he brings on a judgment, he gets fame out of that. God's love for his name really is the foundation of mercy to sinners because, again, it brings glory to him. God has pleasure in his name, his reputation, and it will never uh, fail or wane.
3: Um, what's that? Mm-hmm.
1: It's, and his name—that's what it is. His name is like the sum of all of his attributes. It's who he is, what he's about, the authority of him. You think of the name of God.
3: We have so nothing we to
0: boast to, about. So we mm-hmm. partake in that mm-hmm. by him, except in
1: him, by showing by him
0: showing some of his attributes to us, mm-hmm.
3: to those that. Him. See,
1: that
3: it, you know,
1: and he, he takes delight in that. And then we do too. Once we get to know who he is, and, and we say, "Well, yeah, God's acting." Behind all these scenes right here, we know that God is, is in this thing, regardless of how good or bad it may seem. And that gives us great comfort, and uh, we're, we're thinking of Him. He's famous. Every time a Christian thinks of something the way that they should be thinking or in the right line of thinking, uh, that's because we have a famous God. <laughs> we know He's there. Now, uh, in, in verse 5, where you have you know dealing with election and predestination and adoption and they're ascribed to the good pleasure of God's will. But if you take an Arminian view, if God must elect people because he foresees their faith, what would be the point of saying that they are elect according to his good pleasure? In, in, back, We're back in our Ephesians text, right? What would be the point of saying... <laughs> What's that? i got to find it. Where's that at, right? <laughs> Why would he say, according to his his good pleasure, if it was because we responded on something? On the Arminian scheme, I, I think what you have there of di- a divine election or a, the good pleasure is totally irrelevant. And I don't think they're going to emphasize that it's all God's Good pleasure that He's doing this. What God wills or does not will, or what He pleases or displeases, God would have nothing to do with election. I guess coming from that angle, if if, if election is conditional, uh, based upon what we do, foreseen faith, or what have you, it becomes now a matter of obligation. God is obliged. It's his, now His duty, His requirement. It's not his good pleasure and sovereign choice, but it's because, well, I put it out there now they respond, okay now yeah, what where's the good pleasure so Yesterday. is that
2: where that prosperity gospel gets its its root because it says that if you give, God has to give back to you so are the, yeah he has to there, respond to he, that, has, doesn't to, doesn't he has we to did respond something. respond because we did something.
6: So you
3: send us a thousand dollars the seed oh, you yeah. seed faith yeah Yeah. yeah. that means that
2: God has to respond
1: to that <laughs> yeah yeah
3: wow okay right. kind of backwards isn't it yeah.
1: okay Matthew 11 yeah, we're getting about ready to wind up here Matthew eleven twenty five and 26 this now this is an invitation actually it's an invitation for people to come to Christ At that time, he's talking about Tyre and Sidon and Capernaum and, you know, the judgment, uh, the rejection, you know, Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. Now, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. This is what Janice was talking about earlier some of these, these deep things, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent, the religious people, and all the ones who are supposed to be the very intelligent, elite people of the world, and you've revealed them to babes. I thank you. This is Jesus saying it to the Father that you revealed this to, to the babes. So, even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight, or it was pleasurable in your sight. We're still hanging on that that topic of pleasure of God, right? It was, pl- It's pleasing to him to show his things to the ones who are not many mighty, not many noble, the people who are just the average, average person. And he'd rather do that than, for the most part, to the ones who seemingly should be the ones to have that. Now, Luke, I think, says the same thing. Luke 10.21, we'll see how it phrases it, see if it says something about God's pleasure. But there again, verse 26 said that. Um, Luke Luke 10.21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced. You know what? How many times do you see in, in the Gospels where it says Jesus rejoiced? I read that this is the one time that he, we see where he rejoices. And I think he rejoices, but this is where it's recorded down. What did he rejoice about? In the Spirit, and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Is that an incredible thing? Jesus is rejoicing over the fact and he's got to be smiling here, these incredible truths, and he brings them to the people that would seem the least likely to be able to receive them. And this is all God's thing. <laughs> there are certain things that he's not going to reveal to anybody else, but that he'll reveal to his children.
5: Well, how does he do that? By the Holy Spirit. Amen. The wise and intelligent try to get I these is. things, knowledge, and this information Amen. by their own Which wisdom and intelligence. Means but those that are His who have the Spirit have a direct contact with the Father that He can reveal these things to
1: them. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 2, I think, says that. My, have we been blessed. We're adopted into His family. Remember that phrase. And He lets His family members know some uh, things about Him that nobody can understand. If you said these things to the average person... uh, you're going to be mocked and made fun of, or they're going to think you're crazy. You, yeah. Wow. Wow. God is pleased to do that. Uh, election pleases God. He likes it. That's that's his that's his method. God didn't predestine us unwillingly, grudgingly. And he, you know He wasn't reluctant in, in what He did. He wanted to do it. Matter of fact, He really took great pleasure when He chose you. I mean he was so delighted when he chose you for the foundation. Can you imagine him rejoicing over that? Hmm.
2: And would you agree though that the that the key to the Ar- Arminian problem, if you will, is that is that people can't get their heads around that he didn't choose somebody else. That
1: seems to be the because big Because that's where you can
2: you that's where you cannot fathom God. You just mm-hmm. yeah. The key to Martin Arminian problem is God's sovereignty. Yeah. And He didn't
0: choose someone else. Yeah. Quote, it just doesn't seem fair. How would you
5: pitch personal responsibility at that point? These same people will read the Old Testament and think that's just the way God is. But they
3: don't
5: realize he chose Israel and yeah. left. For, got me. Hundreds of other nations out yeah.
3: which
5: means he did not him. he's consistent.
0: That
1: was way back there and I guess they, they always they always identify with that one. I don't they they would argue with that. personally though. There I think is an uh, uh, an immense uh, unfathomable complexity uh, uh about some of these things that we're talking about, but you know God has in a sense, and it 's probably an anthropomorphism again, but it's dealing with feelings- emotions or whatever, but delighting and rejoicing is is an emotion that God has, He made us in his image, so we we can we think, we reason, we have. Emotions. So God identifies... uh, We can identify with God whenever He says that He is a God of pleasure. He delights in some things. He despises others, though, doesn't He? Even at the same time. He loves and He hates. He rejoices. He judges. So He takes and chooses hell-deserving sinners, like all of us, to spend an eternity with Him, calls them the beloved children of Him, and then to have us rejoice, and He is He is pleased about this. He delights in this. He's excited. He's satisfied. He wants to satisfy us. And so, should it not be a joyful response on our end in pleasing and delighting in God and uh, being exciting, knowing where our satisfaction comes from? Doesn't it almost make you want to shout? and sing and talk about Him <laughs> when you think about where He has put us. Tell 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 it often to others how great He is. God's pleasures I think really should become our pleasures. Whatever God takes pleasure in we want to take pleasure in. We want to learn to rejoice in what He rejoices in. Uh, anyway, it's His pleasure and He wants to magnify His glory and His free and sovereign grace and Taking a people, choosing people that might be for his name for his name's sake. He's free to do that. And whomever he delights. More passages and such on that. Oh well uh, we'll stop on this one tonight and go into the glory of God next week. Just to show you that uh I think we hope we stayed in context. Let's see here. Um according to the good pleasure of his will. Does that work good enough? <laughs> we didn't get too far, all right? We're right on. Thank you guys. Thank you guys precious time. Good, uh, good thoughts. Good thoughts.